Ronananian. Some people aren't interested in continually maintaining a vehicle. And it's an awful big waste of time. And it also gives the industry a bad name because everybody gets the perception that all mechanics are really about is fixing cars and making money. The Car Doctor. Counting cars for the sake of just counting cars to know what to sell and try to sell and do the upsell and how they try to make sure the customer's car is repaired and they extract every dollar they can out of it. Just something to make you aware of. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in. Start your engines. If they do, and if they don't, then you want to stick around for sure for the next two hours. I'm Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, and we are here to talk about your car, your engine, and everything in between to help you solve it and understand it at a better rate. The phone number is 855-560-9900. That's right, the Car Doctor 24-7 phone number, 855-560-9900. Call in and uh, let's see what's going on, and we'll figure it out together, you and I. I guarantee you I will help you to understand that car better so you can relate to your mechanic at a higher level. Cardoctorshow.com is the website. There's also TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes, all places you can go take podcasts. And, of course, make sure if you have the opportunity, and we appreciate this from the bottom of our hearts, if you can click subscribe to your podcast and help drive our podcast numbers up. And they are going in the, uh, they're going in the very positive direction of late. They are climbing, and uh, they continue to climb each and every month, and we thank you for that. We thank you for sticking around and seeing what we're up to, and uh, we try to make it interesting and talk about different things each and every week. Uh, you know, and, and simple things. It doesn't have to be complicated. I stopped and got gas this morning, and I was in an Exxon station, and I looked at the sign. If you go to the Car Doctor Facebook page, you'll see it. It talks about new Exxon Synergy gasoline. And I said to myself, look at that. Exxon came out with a new gasoline. And then I read the details, and it talks about, you know, things that allude to and point you in the direction that they're worried about the formulation of the gasoline for government regulations. And they're also worried about the formulation of the gasoline for detergent additives and carbon deposits. And I kind of had a conversation in my head. I said, gee, didn't we talk about this a couple of three, four months ago? And, uh, you know, for all you naysayers out there, must have been Hillary voters. You people just uh, decided to uh, say, no, that's not possible. That couldn't be. And, well, guess what? There you go. So I guess there must have been enough of a demand and enough of a reason to make uh, carbon a, a big issue that they're changing the formulation of gasoline again. And uh, even though I know we couldn't find anything proof positive because it seems like nobody at EPA wants to talk about it, nobody anywhere wants to talk about it, you know, I've come to the decision that the uh, gasoline formulas and how they're always changing, they're kind of like that distant Uncle Bob that comes to the family reunion every once in a while. Nobody's quite sure who he is, and he sits over there in the corner, and they know that he's there, but, you know, they choose to ignore him, and he chooses to ignore you, and you get along at a great, you know, long-distant relationship. And uh, I think that's what the gasoline refiners are going through right now with the government because it seems like there's an awful lot going on, and nobody's talking about it. I will tell you this, though. One of the things people are talking about, or one of the things I'm noticing, is anybody listening? You know, I was thinking of uh, Frazier, right? You know, the radio show, Frazier, who would always open the show with, I'm listening. You know what? I'm listening. Are you? Phone rings in the shop this week. God's honest, true story. I've come to the conclusion that I want to find the pharmacy in America that's selling, I don't know, Tom, can I say stupid on radio? Okay, stupid pills, 
because it, it's got to be. There's just there's just no other explanation because one day everybody's like sharp as a tack, and the next day it's you, you answer the same question seven times in a space of thirty seconds, and it's it's like nobody's listening. I don't get it. One phone call. My car overheated. I saw it overheat on the way to work, and I drove it anyway. And then I got home, and it, it's 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 overheating now. And do you think I hurt the engine? I don't know. Bring it in. Well, do you think I damaged the engine? I don't know. Bring it in. Well. Do you think I should bring it in? No, bring it in. Like what? You know what's? I can't. I can't reach through the phone and diagnose the problem. I have to see it, and even then, I'm probably going to have to fix the cooling system issue that made it overheat, and at that point, decide whether or not any engine damage was done. One of the things, yes, Tom. Tony and I are just sitting here looking at each other. You can't reach through the phone to diagnose it. You are the car doctor. Well, I can hear through the phone, but I can't reach through the phone. If I could reach through the microphone, I'd knock you two out and continue on with the show uninterrupted. But um, uh, that was pretty good, huh? That was a good comeback. I got you. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll pay for it during the break. The The thing I'm trying to make light of and point of is you've got to listen to the mechanic, all right? To me, it's a simple process. You call, my car is broke, I got to bring it in, I got to get it fixed. Here's what it does. And maybe he doesn't even want to hear every little detail on the phone because it's going to get lost in translation. One of the most effective ways of communication is write it down. And if you were to call the shop, and I'm not suggesting you do by any stretch of the imagination, what I'm saying is if you were to call the shop, one of the first things I'm going to say to you in the first 30 seconds is, do you have email? Yes. Send me an email, describe the problem, and I will get back to you and tell you what the next steps are. It's it's right in front of me. This way, there's no hearsay, there's no repetitiveness, there's no wasted motion. In a repair shop, wasted motion is the disease. It really is. It's about being efficient. It's about being and operating in a timely manner so you can get the car done. Please, don't call any repair shop 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon and ask for a service to be done on an emergency basis and be put off if they should happen to say, well, you know, we're kind of busy. It's Friday. It's 3 o'clock. We're trying to get cars out. There's a thing about repair shop etiquette, and it seems like that entitlement thing that we're all sick and tired of in this country has, has grown into the repair shop business. Been there for a while, actually. And we're looking for people to be aware of it. It helps. All right? I'll tell you this, the person that's going to get the most attention in my shop and most of the shops around me is the one that calls up and says, hey, I'm sorry to bother you, but, and starts the conversation a little softer. You do that 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, you might actually get somewhere because we react to kindness. I'm not looking for, you know, kowtowing. We're just looking for kindness. My point is, and here's the bottom line, if you call up and you repeat yourself seven times and the answer doesn't change, take the hint. It's probably that's the answer. And you're not, you can't keep getting the mechanic to talk to get to the point where he gives you the answer that you want to finally hear because then he's not being fair to you. You've got to pick a mechanic because I know this is in the conversation somewhere because people are out there shaking their heads saying, well, I, you know, I can't find a good mechanic. There are no good mechanics. Trust me, there's a lot of good mechanics in this country. There's a lot of bad ones. There's a lot of guys that shoot themselves in the foot each and every day. There's a lot of guys. I understand why this industry has a bad name. But there are guys out there that pour their heart and soul into this business each and every day, and they're out there. You just have to find them. You have to talk to them. You have to get over yourself to get to them, to let them do their job. And I think that's the key. And that's something that the consumer doesn't really like to do. 
I get it. I get the fear part. I understand that. We had a car this week, um, the proverbial little old lady car. And, you know, she's approaching 90. And, uh, you know, I understand she had a dead battery. And I understand the nervousness. And she's giving up the car that she doesn't really drive and need to go anywhere. But it's got to be in the driveway. I get that psychology. All right. I have a connection with that customer. And I have, a, I have a relationship with that customer, and I will do each and everything I can to get that car back to that customer so that it can sit in the driveway because that makes her feel good. But what I can't do is reach through the phone and diagnose it until the car comes into the shop so that I can see just what the numbers are. And that's really the bottom, bottom line. Auto repair is about numbers. It's about what the specs are, what the electrical drain might be, what the antifreeze coolant protection level number is and so on. It's all about analyzing the numbers. So if you find that pharmacy, by the way, let me know where it is because I'd like to see if they've got an antidote to dummy pills. Maybe we can give people smart pills and teach them how to drive better, use their blinkers, and pay attention and not text while they're on the phone or not text while driving and use the phone at the same time. Just was a rough week at the shop. But I have to tell you, I fixed each and every vehicle that came in. There isn't a single job left over this week. Well, short one, but I didn't have a chance to get to it. That'll be the repair of the week next week, I guarantee you. I've got a 2008 Explorer that defies logic as far as how it operates. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks as soon as I dope it out. Anyway, 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We're going to pull over and take a pause. And when we return, we're going to kick the garage doors open and talk to, I don't know, we'll pick a number and uh, talk to someone out there and uh, on The Car Doctor Hotline. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. Welcome back, Ron and Andy, the Car Doctor, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. You know, I had a I had a um, a hemorrhage the other day, a mental a mental collapse. I couldn't remember the phone number. I was like eight five five five. I was trying to give somebody the phone number, and I went, I think it's. You know, I actually had to call the phone number to see if that was it. So, you know, it was like Wednesday in the shop. I just, you know, you're just. You're just not in radio mode, and you can't remember. You know, I knew my name. I was I was halfway there. I kind of knew who I was, but I just couldn't get the phone number out of my head. And Tony, uh, what do they say about the first thing that goes? The mind. The mind. There you go. There you go. Well, it's. Uh, I always think when my mind goes, and I'm sitting there a babbling idiot at the age of seventy-five, just talking about nonsense. The things that are going to come out of my head. I hope somebody's going to write it all down. It'll make for an interesting Wait a minute, time. At the age of seventy-five. Yeah. Well. Yeah. What, well, what about right now? Yeah. Well, no. Right now, I'm perfect. So, listen, don't age me any more than I already am, although I'm aging, but never mind. Let's get over and answer the phones, since that's what people are tuned in for here anyway. i got some things to talk about later on, though. With i got some 3M stuff, and we've got a remote we're going to go do, maybe, sort of, kind of. Um, but I want to go answer some phone calls. I want to get that done. Let's go start with Ed in Clifton Heights, Pennsylvania, 99 Chevy Lumina. Ed, welcome to the car, Doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, I'm looking at the car right now. Um, I have a very slow uh, uh, antifreeze coolant. I, I always do 50-50. Um, uh, leak, and it's only leaking like every 100 miles, it leaks about one pint, and I'm very good at checking my levels, so I just go to the overflow tank, and I always check at the same time, like in the morning, it's been sitting all night, it's a cold engine, and I have it like on the cold line, and then about 100 miles later, I, I open, it, open it up and look at it, it's about a pint below that, and so I just fill it up again and, and you know, keep watching it. And, which which and which 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 engine is this, Ed? It's a three point. It's apparently, I've been looking online. Unfortunately, it's a classic three point one that does have problems. You know, years out with some of this gasket stuff. Yeah. It's a three point one liter um, General Motors. Right. This is 
This was the year. Yeah, this is this is the year that the um, the intake gaskets were common to leak. When you're looking for signs of coolant, are you getting down under the driver's side where the air intake bellows is and looking down at the V of the intake? Yeah, in fact, I just uh, I got some more data just now. It looks like on the passenger side, like right. It looks. I think this is the alternator. Um, it's uh, it's lateral. It's like a, it's about maybe a, a foot inside the right front wheel. Yep. I see some dripping. Yep. And it's it's just below. It's like directly almost. Uh, it's underneath the uh, alternator and sort of like it could, it could almost be dripping dripping from the media portion of the uh, overflow tank. Right. It's right yeah. around there. Yeah. That 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 sounds like you're in the area of the intake. There's a couple of things you can do. You can start to remove some of those components and hope that you see where the leak is. And if you do it cold, you've probably got your greater chance of finding it. Or you can get over to an auto parts store. Do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts near you? Um, I've got some other ones. I don't have O'Reilly. Okay. But I got... if, if you can get out to an o, if you, or, or, or O'Reilly online, because I know O'Reilly will have this. They make a die. They, they carry okay. a cooling system die that if you add it to the system, you can then come back after the vehicles have had time to circulate it and using a pair of... of uh, um, die glasses. You'll have to, you know, pick up a few things. But if you're going to work on cars, you need some basic tools. And what it does yeah. is, using a black light and a die, you'll be able to see the traces of where the coolant's coming from and pinpoint it exactly. Short of that, you're going to start to remove that coolant tank and the uh, alternator and start to get down under there. It's probably uh-huh. going to be that the gaskets where they are in the where the intake manifold sits against the valley of the head, because that was a that was a hard plastic shim gasket. And it had a rubber, uh-huh. it had a rubber, watch for the college word, folks, elastomer bead, E-L-A-S-T-O-M-E-R, I think is the way we spelled it. Yeah, elastomer. That was, I remember okay. the engineering report when Gene came out there. I said, look at this, this guy went to college. Um, it's actually, they laid an O-ring into a hard plastic shim, and what happens is the intake, as it warms up, because aluminum expands two and a half times at a different rate than steel, it'll actually start to move and squiggle around, and it actually kind of crushes and... The, the the rubber bead actually works its way out from underneath the hard plastic shim and voila coolant leak. So uh, uh, now this uh, did, that, yeah go ahead. That's different from the manif- manifold, right? That's different from the uh, the head gasket, isn't it? Right. The head gasket is actually the piece between the head and the block. The intake gasket is between the manifold and the head. But here's the okay. catch. All right, this is a three one. If memory serves me right, and I'm really digging back in the archives of my mind that this probably is the one that has the bulletin where they talk about replacing the intake manifold bolts because they were torqued to yield bolts. And there was a service kit available from General Motors as far as replacing gaskets and shims. I mean, listen, a lot of guys reuse the bolts and they got away with it, but just be mindful of the fact when you put it together, I would, if I was stuck having to clean, reuse the bolts, I would gently wire wheel clean them. I don't want to grind into the wire wheel, but I would just try and remove the blue sealer that GM put on those bolts, the blue Loctite, and I would okay. put a dab of white liquid Teflon on. And the idea is liquid Teflon has a, a very mild form of Loctite built into it. So it's a sealer and a thread lock, okay? And the idea is that if, if you torque at the spec, I think the spec was... 56 inch pounds it was something really small make it 70 all right liquid it, teflon okay yeah liquid teflon give it a little bit of a tweak and you're just trying to keep the bolts from loosening up the bolt has stretched a little bit by now and you shouldn't get a repeat because the problem isn't that it won't tighten 
The problem is that it will loosen up over time as it goes through a, hot, a heat up and cool down cycle, and it's going to repeat it, you know, in a year or so. And, and these, these are the these are the in, these are the head gasket bolts, or no, the intake manifold bolts. Oh, in, in, intake manifold bolts. Right. Okay. The other thing yeah, you want the other yeah, thing you right. want to look for, um, if, and I believe this is the this is the setup that we're that we're talking about. Go look at a procedure. This is the one they want you to take. If I remember right, this is the one they want you to take the rocker arms off. Rocker arms and push rods. This is a okay. big. This is a big job. If this is what it is, this is a lot of work. You can do it if you're mechanically inclined. It's it's, it's a patience game. You can't rush through it. It's 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 a solid half a day, three quarters of a day's work. If it's the first time you've done it, uh, you're going to need valve. Yeah. You're going to need valve cover gaskets, intake manifold gaskets, a bolt set. Uh, you know, if you purchase a Felpro intake set, it may come with the bolts, and that's a good thing. Okay. And then you want to just be aware that, like I said, there's a couple of special tools involved. Somebody at one time made a lever that would allow you to depress the rocker arm. So pull up on the rocker arm, pop the push rod out, and just lay the lay the lay the rocker off to the side, so you don't have to take them all off. All right. Okay. Uh, so you know, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of disassembly here if you don't have that tool. We're talking we're talking over a thousand. If I have somebody do this, sounds like yeah, you're probably in the twelve to fifteen hundred range if memory serves me correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. There was two versions of this engine. One was a conventional push rod with regular rocker arm, and one had the rocker arm stanchion bolted to the head. If it's the rocker arm stanchion bolted to the head, it's a little more involved. Regardless, uh-huh. if you do this job, just make sure as you take apart. You put back together, so exactly. you know you start you start from the left side. You lay out the rockers, the push rod, the bolts, etc. As you take apart, and then when you go to put it together, just reverse the process, and you'll be fine. But uh, first things first, you got to verify that it is the intake. It probably is. It was very common, and then go ahead and get the job done or do it yourself. And uh, that's about it. I appreciate the call, Ed, and I appreciate you being out there. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. I'm coming back right after this. Don't go away. back. We're on the Indian Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Cardoctorshow.com for podcasts and more information. And also get out to iHeart and iTunes and uh, tune in radio for podcasting. And please click subscribe. By the way, this week, is it this week or next? We're not sure which week. Uh, we might do it this week. might do it next week. We're going to be giving away a 3M spray gun. It is the uh, it is the newest 3M addition to the family, the 3M PPS system. And the neat thing about it is it's not like a traditional paint gun. It it's designed for the uh, homeowner and it's designed for somebody that's um, you know doing uh, one gun for all stages of their project from start to finish and uh, doing it at home and it's a professional level for the uh, do-it-yourselfer kind of a thing. Yeah, Tom. Can I try it out before we give it away? No. Oh come no. on, because I showed you my daughter's bumper. Yeah, I know. Oh, is that why you showed me your daughter's bumper? Yes, yes, yes. I want to use the spray gun. No, you can't use the spray gun. No. It's, it's, unless the person that we give it to, that you know, they're willing to accept that it's got a little bit of. Uh, you know, uh, thinner and solvent running out of it from when you clean it. Hey, mate, here's an idea. Maybe they'll come try it out on my daughter's car. Uh, that we could probably get people to do because, <laughs> you know, we can't guarantee the results, though. So, oh, but, that's okay. Uh, I yeah. couldn't guarantee the results of when she took it into the parking garage today. Mm. So we're going to do that. We might do that this week. We might do that next week. But that's that's coming up. And by the way, real quick, before I get to the phones, I keep meaning to talk about this. 
There's a note on my desk here, and I don't know which one of you guys put it here. Saturday, March 25th, um, I think I think you guys are taking me out on a date. We're going on the road. Uh, what is this, the 14th Annual Technician Service Training Tech Training Event uh, with Jerry Trulia and the gang over there in Westchester? Where is this? Um, oh, I don't know, but I can tell you that the only way we're taking you anywhere is we're tying you up in the back of the truck so uh, and putting a piece of duct tape over your face so we can drive down the road in peace. It looks like we're going, well, I can do the radio show right from the uh, vehicle. The Westchester Marriott, here it is, 670 White Plains Road, Tarrytown, New York, for anybody that's going to be in the Westchester, New York, uh, which is just outside of New York City. Um, Jerry's putting on the 14th Annual Technician Service Training Event, uh, the 2017 big event, Saturday, March 25th. And um, we're going to be over there doing the radio show live. Or no, we're still waiting for uh, the tech people to get back to us. I think that was the last. So we're going to see if we're doing that because we're going to be um, we're waiting to see if the Internet speed in the hotel is fast enough. But if anybody's going to be there, we would love to see everybody and say, hey. So let's go say, hey, matter of fact, let's go out and talk to Mark in the Poconos and get back to the phones and talk to him about his 01 Chrysler 300. Mark, how are you hey, today, Ron, sir? Good, how sir. Are you? Good, sir. What's going on? Well, uh, as you say, I'm, I'm calling about a uh, 2001 Chrysler 300, which uh, is mechanically sound. But in the uh, past few years, we've noticed that the, the tires are, are beginning to lose rapid pressure one by one. It was the rear passenger tire first. Uh, we had the rim replaced, and that seemed to be fine. But then more lately, in the past uh, year, the two front tires uh, are losing pressure at a rate of you know, roughly six to eight pounds overnight. Okay. Now, the car is not a daily driver any longer. At best, we, we get in that car and take it someplace once every couple of weeks or so. Uh, at this stage, the local shop has told us that um, to replace the rims with aftermarket new uh, aluminum nickel chromium plated rims would run about $1,100. Uh, alternatively, um, he could replace them with used uh, rims, aftermarket, but we're a little leery of doing that just because the, the possibility of the same problem resurfacing is... Let me, let, let me tell you the rim story from the shop this week, Mark. True, okay. true story. 2009 Chevy Malibu came in, and we had just we had just sort of been through this with this vehicle. The driver's side front tire was, was, was losing air on a repetitive basis. We tanked it. The bead was leaking. We bead sealed it, and all was good for two months. Fast forward to this week, it started losing air again. Brought it in. Looked at it, tanked it. I love the tire tank. You've probably heard me talk about it. The tire tank's the most honest tool in the shop. It always tells you exactly what's going on. Fill it with water and look for the bubbles. And in this case, the rim was actually cracked right on the bead. Mm-hmm. Needs a rim. All right? So I started looking around. That rim from General Motors was $602. One wheel. You know, you think GM needs a gun and a mask. It's like if yeah, they're going no right? to rob you, okay? I, st- I started, but you know what? And, he- and here's my point. I started looking on eBay. I started looking around at some of the other sites. You can buy new rims on eBay that match this Malibu, and I'm sure you can do the same thing for your Chrysler. Uh, for example, the ones for the Malibu were $139. But here's the problem. They're, they're made in that new territory that the United States has acquired called China. They're our right. new manufacturing plant. And I, you know, my concern is what's the quality level? And if I'm putting my family and friends in a vehicle that I've got to do 60, 70 miles an hour with and count on it to be stable and potholes and all kinds of weather, I don't know if I want to trust an aftermarket wheel. I just, I just don't know. Now, that doesn't answer your question. What would I do? I'd be looking around for the best set of used original wheels 
or steel wheels and hope for the best. And well, it's interesting that you mentioned the uh, steel wheels. We thought that would be a more cost-effective alternative. However, in the 17-inch wheelbase, he couldn't find anything for that car. Yeah, okay. So now, the, the, the specific question I had for you, um, well, two questions, really. You know, living here, here as we do in Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania, there's a lot of snow, there's a lot of salt. And I'm wondering, first of all, whether or not the repetitive seasonal salt has something to do with the rims deteriorating, although as many times as the wheels have been off and inspected, they've cleaned them and, you know, sealed the gaskets and everything you can imagine. Um, and they're not seeing any massive cracks or faults or whatever, but they're telling me that, you know, if they x-ray the rims, they might see, for example, uh, microscopic uh, leaks. Nah, they're overthinking the problem at that point. Yeah. Um, I would I would tell you that if the rims show nothing obvious and bead sealer doesn't stop the leaks from happening, you know, bead sealer is like a caulk made for tire bead. Right. All right. It's 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 clean the rim. Make sure the rim is clean. Make sure there's no pitting. Make sure there's no deep pock marks, and bead seal it and put it together. And then after you inflate it, stick it in the tire tank. And if it's right. not if it's not leaking, it's not leaking. Now, the other question I would I would ask is, how old are the tires? If the tires are more than eight years old, you've got a dry rot issue to contend with. Plus, you know, we're worried about Chinese rims. We're going to worry about the age of the tire and the right. quality of the tire, and then what's the what's the likelihood that the tire's an issue? And, and that's right. all I, part of this. I don't think this. the tires are nearly that old. In fact, right. I think they're much younger than that. Okay. Um, the, the final question I have for you really had to do, you know, like at this point with a car with very little – redeeming um, resale value it's either a nice tax write-off to the local polytechnic or maybe trying something like tire slime but what we read about tire slime is that it's a product that tends to be more effective for tread damage and it never really solidifies or cures inside the tire it relies on centrifugal centrifugal force to spread it around the tire right so if you're having a sidewall or a rim issue that's not necessarily going to help you and with us only driving the car very sporadically we wonder whether or not that's even worth trying and i think you're right on the money there i i would think what i would probably do listen the first determination is do you need the car because you're, you're talking two different directions one is writing the car off and donating it and the other is trying to fix it so you have it around <laughs> so the first question that's got to be made in, in in the mark household is do you need the car it's it, more of a luxury honestly I mean, okay it's, but it's nice it, to have but if, if, we, could, we could probably do without it. Well, if you decide to keep it, all right, so then it's, you know, we, we donated, it's done. But if you decide to keep it, then what I would be doing is I would be looking like a Craigslist or an eBay wheels, used wheels from a Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, some right. non-snow belt, rust belt state that has, and listen, if the wheels were $300 a piece and you put $1,200 worth of wheels on the car and it cost you... Two hundred dollars to ship them. Where are you going to get a vehicle for fifteen hundred bucks? Right. And 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 that's part of and that comes back to how bad do you need the car? And that's why I asked that. Right. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, it really just comes down to dollars and cents. Right. Right. Exactly. You know the issue. The issue sort of becomes that wheels and the way they corrode are simply one of the biggest problems we're facing, and it's such a simple thing. It's just and it's just got to be dealt with on a regular basis. You have no idea how many rims and tires we see that have issues, and it's either road salt or corrosion or, uh, you know, people going through the exact same problem like you and uh, what it costs to repair. So you're in a tough spot. I feel for you. 
Yeah, it's just odd because, you know, we drove the car for so many years, it was never an issue, and then just suddenly it right. is. Yep, they uh, get to a point day. where they go. So You know, Ron, before I go, I'll tell you what, you Mark. do me a huge favor. Uh, my soon-to-be nine-year-old daughter is fascinated by the concept of radio, and she just wants to say a quick hello to the radio world. I'll you tell you what. Mind. Yeah, once, what, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark, right, real quick. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good. Yeah, do you listen to radio? All right, there she is. There she is. There she goes. Hey, listen, we appreciate the opportunity, Mark, and uh, good luck to you and yours, sir. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Ron. My father always said the best neighbors to have would be Norm Abram and Ron Anani, and well. if anything goes wrong, you're covered. <laughs> Tell your dad we said thank you if you can. 855-560-9900. Ron Anani and the Car Doctor, we are coming back right after this. Is it my turn? Look at that. Okay, then I guess I will talk. 855-560-9900. Hello to the little lady who just arrived in the audience. Mom's with us again today. Wave, Mom, so everybody can hear you. There you go. And she waves. Look at that. She believes anything I tell her. Okay. We love you, Mom. So she's out there in the uh, studio today, hanging out, watching us do radio. Uh, I never understood that, but if it makes Mom happy, what the heck, why not? Let's get over and talk to Josh in Louisiana, 14 Ford Fusion. Josh, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how's it going? Good. What's going on? Um, I'm the I'm the guy that uh, sent you the email of the pictures. I uh, I bought this uh, car wrecked and fixed it up. Had a lot of fun doing it actually. It learned um, a, learned a lot, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's not terribly hard. It's I know it's a newer car. It's not terribly hard to to repair. I mean, obviously there were some things I couldn't do, program computers and stuff. But uh, you know, just just the comment on the on the newer cars being harder to to fix. I didn't feel like it was harder to fix. I mean, obviously, yeah, the computers I can't program. The uh, you know the AC system still the AC system that yep. that sort of thing, and body parts are still body parts. Yep. Oh but, yeah. Uh, and listen, the basics are still there. It's just it's a question right. of you know when we say new cars are harder. In in a lot of ways, yeah. new cars are easier because we, the computer does help us to a large degree. Where it gets mm-hmm. ugly, I think, uh, is when somebody's touched it before you. And they've they've, right. they've twisted the electrons the wrong way, and now you, <laughs> yeah. now, now you have to untangle it and get back to the root cause and the real problem, and that's that's where I mean, it gets to be a but, little. You know, cockeyed. but then again, I hear you say, you know, it's not a Mercedes. I hear you say, okay, I I took the battery off the Mercedes. Now I've got to you know calibrate these windows, and yep. you know now this doesn't work. I mean, it's it's still pretty okay. I can take off the battery and put it on and not have a problem. Right. But uh, right. But it, then again, it is a Ford. You know. Right. Yeah, everything's got it's, its everything's got its challenges and moments and, and, and the key I think comes back to when you're dealing with a car, you know, we had we had a few cars this week through the shop, uh battery draws and battery problems and no starts and dead batteries and things like that. And each one of them had a different pattern failure for a component that would cause a draw and each one of them had a different um you know, threshold as far as what they consider good or bad, but they all still had to meet the right. minimum as far as a 50 milliamp or less draw. So, but um, anyway, you had a, yeah. you had a, um, oh, you know what? Tell you what, Josh, stay put. Let me pull over and take this pause and uh, we'll okay. come back and talk about your fusion. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on the car doctor. Let's get over to Josh in Louisiana. Josh, we're back. You um, have a question about the fusion performance before we go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there were a couple things I wanted to uh, do to it and get in a little bit of trouble, maybe. Um, there's a thro- uh, for the 2.0. There's a throttle body spacer and an intake manifold spacer. Okay. 
And uh, they claim it, well, they, they say it's on the fo Focus ST, but they claim you get an extra 30 foot-pounds of torque. And then there's the, uh, the this one this one I'd like to do, but it seems a little bit scary what they're doing. Okay. Uh, it's a uh, forward out throttle body, but, but the thing that kind of puts me off to it is when they say they're reducing the shaft profile by half and countersinking the screws. I mean, it, it sort of seems like a recipe for disaster because you're cutting a thin throttle plate and you're putting, you know, you're making it a little bit thinner, and then then also you know that shaft getting countersunk. Right. I so, mean, so let me ask let me ask let me ask you this question or put this thought in your head. Instead of doing hard, you know, not hard, hard, not hard, difficult, but you know, hard as in component changes, you know, hard parts changes. How about just doing software upgrades? Who's got Who's got any software to try it and try a software modification first and see what that does for you? You know, I I hadn't considered it. Um, you know, simple. I, I mean, I, mild mild goes yeah. wild. I don't care whether you're tuning a four barrel on a on an old Chevy or you're you're tuning computer chips on a 2014 Ford Fusion. Mild goes wild, and at yeah. least then you got a baseline to work with. And sure. And then and then you know keeping components the same. Uh, you know. If you put it, if you put a throttle body on it to increase airflow in, then tell me what right. they then tell me what they're going to do to increase airflow out. Are they are we putting a header on it? Are we changing exhaust? Are we putting a free flow cat on it? Are oh, we... they do have they do have an exhaust kit. Now, you know, okay. I'm pretty happy with this performance, but there's always more, right? Right. Well, that's and that's my point. And you know, you can do the throttle body and gain something, but you're just going to draw more in and then push the limit of the factory system to whatever that is. So, you know, you've got to look at this as a package. Uh, you know, back when I yeah. was when I was teaching high school auto shop, I always taught the kids, you got to think of the whole package. Are you going to put a cam in? Are you going to do the heads? Are you going to do manifold? Are you going to do headers and so on? And everything has to match and balance. So if you start with software, all right, software is pretty simple and easy to do. It's a, it's a download and an upgrade and maybe a chip depending upon the car. And then at that point, sure. you can decide, is that enough? And then at least if you don't like it, the software manufacturers usually give you a way to go back fairly easy. So it's a good experiment. Mm -hmm. And then at least, you know, do you like what you got? And then you can kind of go from there. The, the, thing, the thing I hear, and some people claim, you know, they, they put it on and they have problems, you know. What, the software? It, it won't idle right in a certain range, you know, or something like that. It does, you know, it's software, just like, you know, right. just like your computer. And I think, um, I, th one... I think that's there depending upon the company. And I think with the power of the Internet behind you now, there's enough companies that, you know, they've got forums and they're talking about it. And, you know, you'll know good from bad. Real quick, you got one last question, Josh? Uh, I was going to say the other thing about the uh, intake manifold spacer is it gives you ports on top of each port, on top of each cylinder. So you can probably put in, like, a carbon cleaning. Uh, yeah, you could. And I, I wouldn't do it for that benefit, though. Stay with what you're after. You're after performance upgrades. I would pursue it with software first and then get into doing hard component changes and then go from there. I appreciate the call, Josh. My best to you and yours. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless.